0: It's Stacey Hodge, Say Too Much. It is our video podcast, and Stacey, how are
1: you? I'm great. I'm oh, we, rested. I'm tan, I'm ready. Do
0: we have to do our intro? Oh, yeah. What's the intro I today?
1: Um, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> it's the thing where we sit down together and we talk about stuff. Stuff that we don't talk about on the show.
0: Our social media manager makes us do that. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a professional intro.
1: We really don't, because it, our, our little podcast is different every single time. So it's not really about anything. Yeah. It's about whatever we f- think about to talk about this And we're time. actually
0: in studio today.
1: Yeah. Which so. is
0: rare. Usually it's at our home or really bad Wi Fi connections. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> excited to have uh, Chris Shattuck with us today. Chris is a, Chris, we'll bring you on here. Chris, you're a talent. Coach, uh, well, no, I guess it wouldn't be talent coach. That's what we have.
1: He's a, a ballet talent, dancer? A
0: talent-less coach. A talent-less coach. <laughs> oh, oh,
1: so when did you start ballet? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but Chris is a friend of mine. We go uh, back to 2006. Is that yeah. when you left?
2: Something like that, Back down in, uh, down no. in Mankato.
0: Chris uh, did mornings at K-Dog, and uh, he had left, and then I uh, took his job uh and usually in radio when you say he took someone's job it's not a good thing. it's not a good thing but he left on his own terms um and then i was able to come in there and uh he stayed around here for the most part and uh although he did go to miami for a little bit yeah Ah. you did mornings in miami
2: three years in miami Yep, uh it was it was nice and sunny uh but it was a little bit crazy okay everything you would imagine about South Florida is true.
1: Well, yeah, you have a lot of uh, a man in Florida stories. I bet.
2: Oh
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have personal stories. I bet. Of
2: well, you know, you would see things all the time, like uh, driving on the freeway. You would see like old people on a hover round scooter, like on the freeway, <laughs> <laughs> like that was a regular occurrence. <laughs> <laughs> and they have these things down there. Uh, what do they call them? Something, something alert that you know when when old people go missing, like all the time oh, on the overhead things. Like that makes
1: me sad. Yeah,
0: there's. Um, it's never a dull uh, moment down in there. in Florida. Though.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, you know, so Chris came back, has a family, uh, did radio for your whole basically adult life.
2: Yeah, I've been wanting to, you know, since I was five, I uh, wanted to be on the radio, so I did it for twenty two ish years. Uh, and it was fun. You know, it was it was uh, everything Being poor
1: is a good time. Yes,
2: exactly. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> nailed it. Being poor and getting drunk yeah. is is yeah. what you know. And uh, Chris is here. He's going to tell us his story, uh, but also kind of inspire uh, you guys as well. You know, you started drinking. Um so let's start from the very beginning.
1: Yeah, where are you going with that? Your
0: parents well, because <laughs> I actually thought Chris started drinking for a different reason, but he didn't. Chris's mom, your mom had passed away at a very you were very young.
2: Yeah, actually my parents both died when I was nineteen, 41 days apart from each other.
1: Wow. Not to bring
2: the room down. But yeah, it was <laughs> That
1: it must was, have been hard. It was a traumatic
2: time, uh, in the summer of two thousand two. And wow. uh you know, and that was right when I was starting kind of taking off in my radio career. So I was kinda like focused on that and kind of buried that. Um that was probably one of the big reasons why I started uh drinking. But actually what propelled me into drinking the heaviest was getting uh let go from my first like big time radio job. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, oh I finally made it. I was I was doing my dream job and, and that was, was here in it, the Twin Cities. It was, yeah. Yeah. And you're like,
1: was, no you're not.
2: <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it was like everything kind of collapsed and that was a big part of my identity. Like this is what I had aspired to do for so long Mm -hmm. and when it got taken away from me it was just that's when i started drinking Mm -hmm. and it didn't you know alcohol is they call it the silent killer because it it kind of slowly creeps in you know you usually start drinking in your 20s and you don't really have any side effects you can wake up with a hangover and just puke and rally as they say you know keep going and going and going so i didn't realize you know how much i was progressively drinking uh until you know the last couple of years when i started noticing like okay this is I kind of don't have control over this anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, that was where the it got kind of like, it, because I don't like to use the term alcoholic, but you've heard of the term functioning alcoholic, right? Mm-hmm. And that's by all accounts, that's what I was. Um, I had a good job, family, friends, like on paper, my life looked great, but I just couldn't seem to stop drinking. Like it had taken control over me. And uh, I just, after I got let go twice from the radio industry within nine months, it was like, okay, the universe is telling me I got to, I got to do something different here, and uh, I I just said at that point if I'm gonna have the life that I want that alcohol can no no longer be a part of it, and so I got that out of my life and didn't know what I was gonna do, uh, and here we are now. I'm I'm actually a life coach that helps people change their relationship with alcohol and rediscover themselves because that's that's what I did, and so that's kind of why I use that tagline because it is it is like I found myself again, like my true self the the your true essence from like when you were a kid, all these things that you used to like to do. Uh, you know, it's like I say that they didn't go away. They just been kind of hibernating there for a long time. And now they've woken up again. And I mean, personally, I can say that every aspect of my life has improved since removing alcohol from it, you know, so and cold Turkey. Yeah. Cold Turkey. Yeah. I just, I had, I had a threshold moment uh, as we like to say when you just, you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm-hmm. And I guess one of the big things for me was I have a four-year-old daughter and she started saying things like, oh, daddy, uh, you got to go to the beer store. We're running out of beer or bringing me like, mm. hey, daddy, you need another drink? Oh. Or or she drew a picture of me just sitting on a couch with like a beer in my hand. And I'm like, okay, I, my parents, as we just talked about, died very young. My dad was 54. My mom was 49. And so I was like, what am I doing? I I don't want to do the same thing to my daughter. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lot of factors that went into it, but. Uh, yeah, for, for the most part, it was just cold Turkey. And then, uh, I worked with life coaches to figure out what the hell I was going to do with my life. And through doing that work and getting certified and being a life coach, it's made a world of difference. Like I just, my, my life is night and day different than it was even a year ago. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, it's kind of indescribable unless you've kind of gone through that, you know? So I, that's why I like doing this because I know what it's like to be on both sides of that, Mm -hmm. you know, stuck in pain, feeling hopeless. That you're never going to get this because i had tried many times to stop drinking and um you know it just i would do it for a little while i would quit for a little while but then i would end up going back because i wasn't getting to the root of the problem of why i was drinking in the first place yeah,
0: yeah. and we're actually going to talk about something pretty interesting that you told me because i had a lunch with chris and i was just like oh we're gonna catch up gonna see what he's up to and then all of the turn it turned into some weird session you know, and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry God, he, about <laughs> he, he, he got me locked in. You oh, know, is this a free trial? You know, like Over I was juicy juicy. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like I was like, but but by the end of it, like it it made me feel good, mm-hmm. you know, and I know when people think of life coaches, they probably think Tony Robbins and they think, you know, they think of, you know, even even you could look at sermons at church mm-hmm. as, you know, a way to to feel good yeah. and feel better. Uh, so, you know, I was never. I never knew about the culture of life coaching, but you and I talk about mental health so much Yeah, and the things that we go through. I mean, you know, to be honest, Stacey's second divorce, my first divorce, people cheating and people, you know, it's just one of those things where you just, you beat yourself down so much mm-hmm. and you come out of a pandemic and you just feel like crap. And a lot of the time it's like, well, why did they do this to me? Or why did they cheat on me? Or why did, why, why am I in this position because of other people? But Chris said something to me that was like, it's starting to become a light switch for me. It's I'm, I'm dimming (laughs) is what I'm doing. I'm not flipping it quickly. You've always been dim to me. (laughs) But what'd you say to me about responsibility?
2: Yeah. So, and I didn't mean to be harsh. I think I prefaced,
0: you know, I don't, I don't
2: mean this to come off the wrong way, but for me, what helped is just taking complete one hundred percent responsibility for everything in my life, whether it's good or bad, taking hundred percent responsibility uh, on on everything, really kind of flipped the switch for me, you know, because there's things that are outside of my control, And I could, you know I used to be play the victim role very, very well. And uh, you know, woe is me sitting in pity city and and, you know, throw myself a pity party and and be the victim. And I just realized that, no, this stuff, it's, it's, it's my responsibility. And once you start kind of taking ownership of that, it gives you back control of your life. And
0: it it may sound harsh to go, well,
2: that's really not my fault. But if you just go, you know what, I'm going to take responsibility. It starts to kind of shift things.
0: How do you take responsibility when someone cheats on you?
1: Well, you think about it. You let them treat you like that. Hmm. You let them do, you know, do certain things that get let them get away with certain things that they've done. I kind of get what what you're saying because, you know, I I let him go sit in the garage by himself for hours on end and didn't say, "Why aren't you in here? Why are you doing that?" I didn't go confront him really. And that what that probably would have changed a lot and I didn't do that.
2: Hmm. Yeah, so. I mean, because if somebody cheats on you, there's probably something underlying there that you hasn't been addressed and mm-hmm. It's not like just out of the blue, and even if it is, you know, there, there's as, as hard as it is to t- take responsibility for everything. If you just do that, it it kind of sets you free instead of holding on to it and and having this guilt or or blame towards this other person. It's just mm-hmm. it's just kind of easier to go. You know what? I it sucks that that happened, but
0: I'm just going to take responsibility and begin to move on from it. How do you look at the? I always, I, you know, I've talked about this with Stacy on the air. I said. Because someone said that my, you know, they don't like me talking about my divorce on the air because why would you talk about failure? And I've said this before. I said the relationship ended. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily a failure. We have two great kids out of it. It just ended. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. there was no failure, I thought, to it. But people tend to think and go right to failure in their head. Yeah, uh, I, whether it's with alcohol or with relationships or divorces or. I like to say
2: there is no such thing as failure, only lessons. Because every, everything that you could look at as a failure, you can look at and go, okay, what lesson did I learn from this? And if you look at it like that, like flip it around, instead of going to the negative and, and looking at it as a failure, what did I learn for this? So that your next relationship, you can learn what maybe went wrong in that marriage, you know, to not bring into your next one. The hardest thing is to do that in the moment.
1: Oh, for sure. You know? it's the opportunity to begin again more wisely.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Who's had
1: therapy for a long time?
0: <laughs> <laughs> this girl. <laughs> but it is like in the moment, you're like, okay, don't think negative. Don't. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially because you're, you know, you know you're know, you hurting and you're just like, so you go through, it's like grief. And when a marriage ends, there's grief. It's like grief, going through grief. You know, you've got disbelief, you've got anger, you've got um, sadness, and you go through all of them probably at the same time. <laughs> so it's kind of brutal.
0: It's not stages. It's a buffet at once. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's not fun.
0: I, I remember, you know, and I've had this moment too, where the end of my relationship, Stacy was at the point to like, up until the point I was going to, you know, we talked about divorce and stuff. She's like, I was going to tell you, stop being an a-hole.
1: I know. you, 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 you know? Something was up. and I knew something was up and you hadn't, like you weren't yourself and we weren't like having, because we used to have all these heart to hearts, you know, and stuff. And I was like, he's not really opening up to me. I'm like, something's wrong with him. I've got to say something. And was, but that's about, so typical
0: with men, shutting
1: down. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I was about to say, okay. Real talk time. What is wrong with you? You're being mean to me on the air and it's weird. Yeah. And people are starting to say stuff like, what's his problem? Now
0: I'm mean to you off the air. I know. And it's normal. And it feels so good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it feels much better.
0: You know, so when when you have that moment of shutting down and you have that moment of maybe someone wanting to confront, not confront, talk to, or whatever it may be, how do you handle that when it comes to, you know, personality personality? traits and people being different whether you're in a relationship or not or it's a friend that's having a problem with alcohol is that something that the friend takes on or is that something that you know i didn't see it at the time what do you what do you mean exactly how does a friend deal with that how does how does someone come up to someone and say did someone come up to you and say look chris
1: you you got a problem you've
0: got an issue uh no not not because nobody would have ever known that i was drinking i hit it very
2: well Uh which happens with a lot of that it's you suffer in silence um even my wife probably didn't realize to the extent that I was drinking but it in something like that it has to be your own decision mm-hmm. you know when it when it comes to
0: but see you were you were smart in realizing it though yeah it took me a, a lot long time. of people don't realize that
2: and that you know part of my overarching message that I want to reach out to people is that you don't have to wait until you hit rock bottom you know when it comes to drinking or maybe gambling any sort of unhealthy thing you know, I want to help people before they get to that, that That place. Yeah. Because, you know, take control now. Again, it's, it's really about taking control of yourself and looking inward instead of, I was always looking outward. I was always looking like, uh, what's going to make me happy. Who's going to make me happy. Who's going to give me permission to, to make my life good instead of looking inward and really asking myself, what are the things that I want? That's going to make me happy. You know? And I think a lot of the times, Uh, like people kind of just go through life on autopilot Mm -hmm. and don't really stop and slow down and go, am I really doing what I want to be doing in my life? Am am I with the right person? Are they making me happy? Is my career fulfilling me? Uh, or am I just kind of in the comfort zone because it's, it's too scary to step outside of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the whole comfort zone thing is a, is a big thing that a lot of people are in because it's just too much risk in their mind to to really go for it and do what they want because they maybe have the golden handcuffs with they got the good benefits, they got the 401k and they mm-hmm. go, uh, you know, that was me. I was, I, my identity was I'm a radio person. And if I'm not on the radio, who am I? Who's going to like me? You know, this has been my whole life. Um, and and I, it was scary to think outside of that, what I was going to do and being forced to, to do something else. Now I've completely like discovered, oh, okay. This is who I really am. You know, I was holding on to a false identity, uh, but it never would have happened if I would have
0: stayed inside of the comfort zone. Mm. You know, there are people that are just in the comfort zone, though, because they feel they have to be, whether it's financial, whether it's, you know, like for me at this point in my life with with things have gone on in my life that I'm learning to take responsibility for, like I can't just go out of my comfort zone some days because I have a family to support. I have kids to support. And a lot of that stuff does take financial assistance or it does take financial help, but I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's what people are probably saying. Well, I want to start this or I want to do this or I'd love to go and do what you did. But you had that same situation where you're like, I have no money now. And now I'm starting a business from ground up. Mm-hmm. And I did the selfish thing. I, I still think like, am I being selfish? I could have
2: just went to Costco and like sold tires. You know, like I, I could have just taken a job and I actually had a job interview and I turned it down. The day of because I'm like, I, I'm not going to be happy doing that. I got to go for this. So yeah, starting my own business, uh, doing something completely out of my uh, wheelhouse was is scary as hell. And yeah, I have a wife and a daughter that I have to think of, but she was supportive the entire time. And I'm glad about that. You know, it it took a lot of risk and there's still risk involved, but at the same time, it feels like I'm living for the first time in a long time. Like there's something so freeing about that. Mm-hmm. And, and all the things that I, I was afraid of, these fears that were coming up really didn't happen. Like it's, we spend so much time worrying about stuff and 99% of the time, the stuff doesn't happen. And it, it's holding us back when we're, when we're in that place of fear or mm-hmm. scarcity. So, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, you
1: go back to getting a job.
2: Yeah. There's always going to be something you could fall back on. Mm-hmm. But again, if you ask people at the end of their life, they're, they're more upset about the, the risks that they didn't take you know what I mean? Then then they, that's what they will always say. Like, I wish I would have followed my heart, my gut and done this instead of just staying.
1: What, what I should have, mm. what everyone told me to do. Yeah. Mm. That's yeah. a very good point. Can you choose happiness?
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think it's the only thing you should choose. And you know, I put out a thing yesterday, a video, uh, and I said, I just got five words for you. Stop talking. I'll just say crap to yourself because each one of us does it in our heads constantly. We're always Putting ourselves down. And you've probably heard the term before, if, if you allowed somebody else to talk to you the way that you talk to your own self, you wouldn't be friends with them because it's just <laughs> so, it's nasty that is in there. so true. It is wow. So true. It's just so nasty inside of there. And so, you know, one of the things I work with people on is, is learning how to combat that. And there's, everybody has these saboteurs, these things that sabotage them. Like my big one is a people pleaser. I've been a people pleaser my whole life. And, you know, so we kind of look at what your saboteurs are and how to combat them. Because the first step in any of this is just kind of being aware that it's there. Because otherwise, if you have your head in the sand or you don't know your enemy, you can't attack it. So if you know, okay, that's uh, I have a pattern of doing this, and you feel it coming on, you can identify it, you can name it, and tell it, thanks for coming, go ahead and, and be on your way. Which sounds like like woohoo stuff, but it, it does work, this kind of stuff, this really going inside and slowing down and, and figuring out who
0: you really are and what you really want deep inside, you know? Man, I didn't even think about the whole friend thing. Like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be friends with myself if I talked to the person, Talked to me the way that.
1: Yeah. uh. And, And it's, it's funny too, because you know, people in this area, I think because a lot of us are, you know, German, stoic Germans and, and Scandinavians, Norwegians, and we don't, there's no showboating. You don't mm-hmm. toot your own horn. So, you know, you don't, people don't boast about themselves or they don't, they don't want to, you can be proud, but you not out loud. So that's kind of part of it too. It's like, you don't, you don't want to, you know, um, come across as narcissistic. Right, yeah. exactly. So, so even, even, you know, you just talk, you don't shine your light at all. You just don't want to do that because people are going to think that, oh, she's full of herself, but it's not that. It's just not. So you talk down even. You're like, oh, I'm not that good. Oh, I'm terrible at that. No, you're awesome at that. So go ahead. Take the compliment from someone else even um so yeah that's even part of it too so and kind of
2: always apologizing when you don't need right apologizing (laughs) (laughs) such a
1: minnesotan
0: thing no one in florida (laughs) ever when i live there no one apologized for (laughs) anything you know
1: our producer does that she apologizes for things that she didn't even do i know it's like come on girl you're awesome yeah
2: yeah and a lot of people i've heard say well self-care is selfish like i you know i don't i don't want to i can't take care of myself and it's i i use the analogy of like when you're on the airplane and you got to put your own ox- oxygen mask on before you can help others. Like if you're in a good place, mm. you're going to be able to help others. If you're not in a good place, you're not going to be able to. So self-help, self-care, self-love is the number one most important thing. You know, you got to figure out what it is that's going to make you happy
1: before you can work on other if people. If you're not well, you can't help other people. Right. I always like this one too, because it, it just, it sort of makes me feel like this is me. I don't have to set myself on fire. To make other people warm.
2: Hmm. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I
1: feel like that's what I do. Yeah. I think a lot
2: of people do that. You know, it's it's definitely, yeah. Like you said, especially here in Minnesota, Mm -hmm. that's just kind of how we were raised.
1: (laughs) Yep. Well, the fire's out, people. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, it's so, you know, it's so hard. You know, Steve and I joked about this the other day, and it's, 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 50% Fifty percent a joke, fifty percent real is that we keep ourselves busy. Mm-hmm. Stacy and I do. This is the type of people we are. So we don't look at how sad our lives are. You know, like we we do things to make sure we're busy and our minds concentrate on other things. Now, obviously that last part's an over exaggeration and, and more of a joke than anything because we have great lives. We got great kids, we got great friends. You know, Stacy just came back from you uh Luthra, you know, I mean we. Well, they did when I'm serious, I can say it right. Um, but we tend to distract ourselves from the real maybe issues because the one thing that I get so mad at Stacy about and and she gets mad at me about a lot of other stuff. We just don't have time for that. But there's only one thing that drives me crazy about Stacy is that she's she doesn't take care of herself and she she does everything for herself. And she, Makes yourself too busy. You know? <laughs> but we realize that again, we're doing that because if we don't make ourselves busy, what are we doing? We're sitting and we're thinking about our own lives. Mm-hmm. And sometimes yeah. that not, might be healthy. I well, don't know.
1: But I also just I don't I don't like to accept help. I want to do it myself. I can
0: do it myself. Even if it takes her two
1: more hours. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's a big one. I had the same thing. Like asking asking for help was a big, it's very a, a hard big me. thing. Yeah, we, you know, you don't want to, you want to be able to show that you can do it on your own. So, mm-hmm. I, but I, she's I totally a strong,
0: independent that. woman, you know. <laughs> but I have bruises now from yeah, yeah, her. yeah You yeah. heard I mean, that? I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like she it's the first thing I said to you instead of calling answer. someone, and and it's not that she had to take out a loan to, for someone to fix this. You know, it I was just, just she wanted to do it herself, and it took her two hours longer, and she got bruises because of it. <laughs>
1: And they'll probably end up having to call, you know, anyway, it'll come back. anyway. Yeah, it'll
0: come back again <laughs> and it'll happen again. But it's one of those things where a lot of people they they think they're okay. They but that's only because they're distracting themselves from the real problem.
2: Yeah. Well, a lot of people are afraid to really sit with their emotions because they don't they don't want to know what's going to come up. Uh, it's it can be terrifying. Yeah. But I always like to use the analogy. It's like, you know, a 10-year-old boy falls off his bike, scrapes up his knee, and he goes, you know, he's trying not to cry mm-hmm. when it's like, no, dude, just cry, let it out for 30 seconds. And then you're going to feel so much better. Like that's the same with us. We need to get our emotions out. It's okay to release these things because they're still going to be in there. So let them come out. People are afraid to, to cry, to get emotional, to really get deep. But that's when the real transformation can begin.
1: Oh gosh. See what we've been doing was p- putting them deep, deep down. And then piling a bunch of food on top, <laughs> and so yeah. that wasn't working. <laughs> I was
2: piling the alcohol on yeah. top. Oh, so, yeah, I, yeah,
1: that's what happens to us a lot of. But it. we're so
0: trained, like especially in this business, and I don't know if other people can relate in their job. But in this business, we're trained—not so much our show, I guess—but. To act a certain way and to be a certain way and to not get mad when people text you and yell at you and call you stupid and <laughs>
1: yeah, we kind of changed that.
0: We we've changed that narrative, but at the same time, when you're getting beating when you're getting beaten down at your own job or in your own family or whatever it may be, coming out of that hole is is super hard, mm-hmm. and trying to figure out a way to navigate through that is. Is hard and Minnesotans don't look for that help sometimes. Yeah, and the best way to combat that is
2: to be really comfortable with who you are. And to, so that, you know, other outside people and forces
0: can't um
2: affect you. Affect
0: you. Someone's yeah, saying right now to Chris, they're going how do I feel comfortable with who I am? Because if I knew how to do that, that would have happened a long time ago,
1: Chris. Then that's, we that's, call Chris and say, <laughs> How do we do that, Chris?
2: That's, that's Make why, an appointment. That's why any I I seriously, whether it's me or somebody else, everybody I think should have a life coach at least one session because Everybody walks away going in feeling one way and then walking out feeling a whole different way. It's like a weight being lifted off your shoulders because what I like to say, life coaching is about getting naked. It's not about looking good. So it's... <laughs> I mean, because, right, we're it's always so trying true, to look yeah. good for everybody, yeah. you know, and put on a good face. But this is all about, no, we got to get real because the, the more you put into it uh, and the more you are willing to get out of your comfort zone, uh, you, the more growth you're going to have. And it it is life changing i you know i i a year ago was in a completely different place than i was uh today and it's just because I had to go through this life coaching stuff myself and you know a lot of people probably haven't even heard of that or don't even know what that is but it's different from therapy because i love therapy I have a therapist as well but what's different is we go f- we don't really go to the past with life coaching we start from where you are and go to where you want to be so i help people go from stuck to like to to winning, from just surviving to thriving and going, you know, bridging that gap from where you are to where you want to be. And, um, you know, that's, that's what I love about it. Like seeing people, the light bulb go off in their, in their head and go, Oh, wow. Because I like to say life coaching is about helping powerful people remember just how powerful they are because we are all powerful and we all have blind spots that we can't see how we are powerful, but having somebody else kind of guide you and and help open you up to that is life-changing because it's not me telling people what to do it's me asking questions for people to realize on their own you know how they get to where they
0: want to go and how powerful they are and i love that yeah it's it is life coaching is such an interesting i don't know it's like like i said i'm not a religious person but i remember when i would go to church and i'd hear the sermon and it was personal i'd be like wow that's affecting me and how i'm going to do things in the future Mm -hmm. you know So, Chris, if people want to learn more about you and kind of what you do, Mm -hmm. how do they do that?
2: So, you can go to my website. It's coachbychris.com. Otherwise, I'm all over social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, TikTok, um, and LinkedIn. It's all at coachbychris,
0: uh, Um, the handle. One last thing. How important is personal health, physical health? Physical health. When it comes to finding out who you are and being, because like I said, alcohol was, you know, that did a lot to you. Eating. Is mm-hmm. another thing that makes just makes you do that. But how important is physical health? Cause I remember that video you did at the gym. Yeah. You're I, like, I don't want to step in there.
2: <laughs> I don't want to go in there. That, that is where, you know, last March a year ago at this time is when I, I started going to the gym for the first time really in my life. And I just kind of forced myself to do it. This is while I was still drinking at that time, but I got a personal trainer because I didn't know what I was doing. And I knew if I had somebody to hold me accountable, which also is helpful with the life coaching thing, like somebody holding you accountable is huge. So I hired a personal trainer so I knew I could figure out what the hell I was doing at the gym. Um, and seeing results w- helps uh, in anything that you are going through in life. Doing something physical on a regular basis is huge. And you don't have to do it a lot. There's uh, there's a story of this guy who just went started going to the gym for five minutes. He went for five minutes at a time. Um, he would go and literally lift weights for five minutes and then leave. And he did that for about two weeks until they got in the habit of just going to the gym and then eventually, you know, increased that. So it's just, you don't have to start big. Just can start I go to the small. gym and sit in the hot
0: tub for five minutes? You can, yeah. Okay. at least can the gym. <laughs>
2: it works yeah. for me, yeah. Why not? <laughs> and you, might, you might pick up a dumbbell on your way to or from the hot tub. You know, you never know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, physical health is, is definitely uh, helpful when you're going through something. You know, if you want to get out of a funk lift some weights, do some running, punch something. I mean, that's a great way to if you, yeah. be,
0: if you become my life coach, will we go for walks together? I mean, we can. We can hold hands. I mean, <laughs> it's totally up to you. I'll be crying while people are walking. People think we're breaking up. You know? <laughs> like, Why is
1: that man crying? He has a
0: wife and kid at home. Why is he holding that man's hand and crying? Uh, Chris, it's good to talk to you. We'll definitely have you back in. Um, there's just so much more to talk about, so thanks for coming in, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, you know. guys for having me. There you go. All right. Stacey Hutch, say too much. Uh, we we still have to do the Bahamas.
1: Yes, I have I have such amusing videos that Talking you're going to love. Talking about
0: falling flat on your face.
1: You're going to love it.
0: We're going to talk about that coming <laughs> up a little bit later. So uh, there you go. Stacey Hutch, say too much.